Welcome, everybody, to the Legendarium Podcast. Back again after, I don't even know, a week and a half, two weeks, it seems like. It's been a while since our last I don't episode. Even know. I don't even have us on, in our feed, so Forgive I, don't, us. I don't know when we actually publish things. Forgive us, listeners, for we have sinned. We it's, have. It's been eight days since our last episode, or something like that. I don't even know. Anyway, we had Thanksgiving. It's been a little while. Was that like a Father Chains impression? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, anyway, we're, we're back. The whole de- month of December is going to be kind of a crapshoot, so hang with us. We'll be back with a regular cadence soon. Uh, but, you know, everybody has, uh, I, I would say, holiday stuff, family stuff, but really we're dealing with a bunch of actors around Christmas time, so everybody's doing... Like, I don't know, they're all playing Scrooge. <laughs> That's what I imagine in my mind is that all of the rest of our panelists, including Megan, are playing Scrooge on yeah. stage this this winter. All of them at the same time. Exactly. It's like the three Scrooges. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, well done. Hey, thanks. So welcome, everybody. I am Craig, and over there is Kyle. Hey, what's up? We've already failed, Kyle. Yeah. Because I read a review from a few months ago that said that we chit-chat too much. Oh, dang it. Um, and we have too many tangents and i you know if there's one thing that i pay attention to most it's our one star reviews what people don't understand is that we've been chit-chatting for an hour and it just at any given moment you flip the switch to turn the mic on <laughs> and then we realize oh here we go <laughs> oh craig is craig is speaking with his outside voice oh, again no uh, okay, so today we are going to be uh, spinning the wheel of tangents. If that gives you any idea of what kind of show this is, we have something called the wheel of tangents. So yeah, just expect us to not stay on any sort of topic today. So we'll, we'll do our best, but we make no promises. We make no promises. That is correct. Now, if you want to review us, review us the way that um, Aeon Ati, Aeon Ati, uh, reviewed us. That's the Aeon for Hope from Elantris, Kyle. Oh. Yeah, it was a it was a, a really lovely review, five star review. Rebellions are built on hope. They are. Uh, I I'm a rebel. I rebel, except <laughs> when it comes to being in the show. Then I don't say that line. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but I will call out Aeon At for uh, this review. This five stars. It's very glowing. But he or she does say that Todd is the preferred host. I Ooh. I don't take kindly to this. I'll tell you. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Should we spin the wheel? Today, we we have... I'm the spinner. You are the spinner. We have several very unrelated topics that, you know, last time we did a Wheel of Time style episode, today is going to be just a total crapshoot. Anything fantasy related will do. I did pull... Uh, these are these are. Oh I'm no. just thinking like anything, Fifty Shades. Anything from dragons to furry handcuffs. It's on the table. <laughs> yeah. uh, these are questions mostly that I pulled from previous uh, pre- previous right. asks of listeners. So, uh, go ahead and spin the wheel, Kyle. Let's see what number we end up with first, and how many of these we can get through in the next few minutes. Number Ooh, no. one. That was a crappy spin. I'm, I'm just going to point that out. That's just how I roll. So the Cosmere podcast, I think that's the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast, uh, asked if you had to remove from existence all the works of any author you've covered so far on the podcast, which one and why? So remove all the works of any author we have covered. So that, that kind of narrows it down a little bit. I'm um, actually going to pull up our website to even remember all of the to, things to see all the covered. ones that we've covered so i'm going to i'm going to make a controversial pick i think i know what yours is going to be do you want to make yours first um yeah i mean i 
I feel bad. I feel like that's a really harsh thing to it is. do. I know. I know. Because I, I harbor no because ill will toward it, any author. This isn't just about you. It's you're no. removing it from existence. It, no existence. one gets to read it right. anymore. Maybe from my brain would be fine. But like <laughs> there are plenty of people that love stuff that I yeah. just don't care for. Okay. What was your what would yours be then? I think I mean, if you've listened to the show and you've heard me complain about this, I would probably take away uh the farseer or robin hob robin uh, hob yeah it's got to be an author not it got to uh, be an author and yeah. again no hard feelings towards robin hob no hard feelings towards fans of robin hob i just did not you were, connect with that you were about story. to call him hobsnobs weren't you hobsnobs sure <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so so that one's more of a personal taste choice uh, which is interesting because it is your personal taste, but you are choosing to remove it from the face of the earth for everybody. Okay, for everyone. So, so sorry, everyone. You have to like what I like, or you don't get it. To, <laughs> you don't get to exist. Are you ready for my my choice? Let's hear it. And this is going to be controversial because this is not about whether I do or do not like this thing. Uh, but I'm going with Pat Rothfuss. Ooh. Okay. okay. And I and here's the thing. I like his books a lot. Why why are you taking so these away? I'm from taking us? them away because You're I'm looking over terrible person. I'm, I'm looking at the shelf here and I'm looking at uh, the things that you know generally speaking we have enjoyed everything that we've read, right? And so it's not generally speaking, you know, for you farseer excluded. But uh, you know I'm looking at um oh, you know what? I might I might change my my mind based on the rationale that I'm about to give you. But <laughs> You know, we're talking about Robert Jordan, we're talking about Brandon Sanderson, we're talking about, uh, we've covered Orson Scott Card and Jim Butcher and and uh, Connie Willis and Terry Brooks and Terry Pratchett and, and on and on. And uh, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, obviously, the Belgariad, tons of stuff that we've covered. And it's almost like with most of these, they are, uh, they're pillars holding up the fantasy genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you take them away, then it, we really lose something from the genre as a whole uh, that is that isn't just about itself, but props up other works as well. And I'm gonna go ahead and say that uh, that Pat Rothfuss's books, while I really like them, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just not sure that they are foundational in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to things that we have covered, um, if we took those away, I feel like it would have the least effect on the genre. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. I uh, think that's fair. Um, and I disagree with you. Sure, but that's and I'm sure everybody again, a, will. More I, of a personal taste, but uh, I think that totally is fair. I think that they. So ba- based uh, yeah. on based on that rationale, like I said, I might change my mind because I do like Pat Roth's books. I would want to keep them around for myself. Um, but Pierce Brown. Going Pierce Brown, the Red Rising okay. series uh, would maybe, and I've only, I haven't read all of those or anything. It's just um, uh, it's a popcorn book. Okay. Uh, you know, and I'm sure I'll get lit up for that, <laughs> for that opinion as well. But uh, just as far as what would have the least effect on the genre in its entirety. By removing it. Yeah. One of those two. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting choices. Um, Any other thoughts on that? Uh, I sort of sadistically want to say Brandon Sanderson just just just, just to, to see what just happens. to put the knife in and twist um <laughs> but people will lose their minds so uh I do I will say however 
over-enthusiastic fantasy fans, yeah. and this tends to be a lot of Brandon Sanderson fans, okay. can be just that. Overwhelmingly over-enthusiastic. Well, sure. And I, I mean... think, And I think sometimes there's the uh, rose-colored glasses involved. Sure, yeah, but now you're just talking about, about whether something is quality or not. Sure. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, that's fair. You know, I you're, think that's, that I, so I that's get getting a lot a, of it. You're with, getting a broad from the question. Yeah. I get a lot of it from Sanderson fans. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, you haven't, uh, you haven't taken the brunt of the Malazan fans yet. Truth. That's, that's all you, you, you <laughs> gatekeep that for the rest of us. Appreciated. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's spin the wheel again. Spin the that's, wheel. All right. So here we go. We're going from one Is to that a number. Better spin, that was, master? That was better. <laughs> six. Number six. Uh, this one comes from Colonel Rabbit. Who asks us to talk about fringe content for series like uh the like fringe Wat- the series oh man it was such a good it was series. a good series i love that I enjoyed show it a lot uh no like the watt companion the wheel of time companion and mm-hmm. and other such books um so i think when colonel rabbit says talk about that sort of thing like should you read it do they matter when should you read it that sort of thing so you are uh, i've never read the watt companion you mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. um did you read it cover to cover yeah, the yeah. big the big white book big or, white or the actual the new so there's the Watt Companion yeah which is like the newer big one okay and then there's the big white book with of bad art <laughs> nice. um, I have not read the Watt the new Watt Companion or okay. recent Watt Companion cover to cover but I have dabbled in it just for more of like references <laughs> yeah uh, but I did read the I have read the big white book cover to cover a few times actually nice and it's I mean I'd say it's it's in it's like if you were to go back into a a glossary or or mm-hmm. whatever An encyclopedia it, or encyclopedia something. or something that's it's just more in depth and I, I do think that they add a lot of value and and intrigue i don't think that they're necessary i think that when you dive into a world that deep as as the wheel of time or or i mean a lot of these fantasy series it's fun to to bask in it a little bit more right. um but i think things like that are more of more just extra fun. Yeah, that's you know I mean? that's exactly what I was thinking of. There was a book that we had. It was like the ultimate bathroom book in our house, and it was uh, like an, an illustrated encyclopedia of Star Wars characters. So side characters from comics and books mm-hmm. and the the movies, of course. Mm-hmm. And you could read this one page uh, excerpt, I guess, right. about who this character was. And so you get like, Bosk, mm-hmm. one of the bounty hunters in Empire Strikes Back, who just stands there. He's just the lizard guy. Yeah. Nobody cares. Um, but they, you know, but they, they do care. But they do care. <laughs> they make up this backstory for him, mm. and you can read it, and it's it's kind of fun, you know. And exactly like you said, it's uh, it's just a little extra layer of fun mm-hmm. um, to help you. Like in that case, you go back and you watch Star Wars, and you're like, ah, I know who IG88 is, right? And in reality, nobody should care who. In order to enjoy the movie, nobody should right. have to care who IG88 is. But if you do, you get a little. It's like oh, that's you get fun. a little thrill of oh yeah, yeah there's that guy. I um, I don't think all authors do a great job of disconnecting those. Completely. What do you mean? Oh, so like or like not relying on those. So like, if I read Wheel of Time, yeah, or Harry Potter, and they want to come out with some of these like fringe pieces and and auxiliary content where it's like this is extra they they tend to lean on it and make it canon 
some like some people do. And uh, so, so you're you're thinking of uh, rolling. It sounds like right. Um, that and and I think that I actually think that fans are worse at this than authors. <laughs> that like you have to have consumed everything right otherwise one you're not a true fan and two you just don't understand the story but i do think that there's a fine line and i think that sometimes because you've got things like the silmarillion or the big white book or you know even things like on a maybe on a lesser scale like the uh the care of magical creatures book that she wrote for harry potter and, and all that kind of stuff it's like well, if you don't have this context, then you just don't understand what's going on in the story or you just aren't getting the full effect. Right, and, now I see what you're saying. And I don't think that that's true. I think that it can add, but I don't think that it's necessary. And I think that both authors, and more more so than authors, fans get caught up in that sometimes. And so they start gatekeeping based on mm-hmm. the fact that they know something that you don't and right. therefore you're a bad reader. Yeah, <laughs> or I mean, something. And not even necessarily that, but just therefore you didn't actually you don't actually have the full story right. or or you somehow can't enjoy the main saga because you didn't read random book number 5 right, right, about, right. about random Star Wars character like yeah. you're talking about, right? So I I think what it, what this comes down to is much like a lot of other things we talk about, go read it, enjoy it, love it. Don't be a dick about it. And that's what it comes down to, right? Yeah, I think and so. And so, so yes, I've read The Lord of the Rings many times and The Hobbit. Um, and I've read The Silmarillion many times. Guess what else? I've read uh, Unfinished Tales and I've read the history of Middle Earth, the 12 volumes of, uh, you know, background on this and the writing and all that stuff. I've got the uh, the Tolkien Companion and Guide, both the Reader's Guide and the Chronology. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. I've got all of these extra things that help me uh, process the Lord of the Rings and understand it and uh, really enjoy it mm-hmm. at a depth that many people probably won't get to. But if somebody comes up to me and says, oh, yeah, I've read the Lord of the Rings, but not any of his other stuff, well, you know, I'm not going to be like, well, well, what? you don't really get the Lord of the Rings. You haven't really read it until you've read. Mm-hmm. And then you list off 18 other books. You know? Right. So, And I feel like we tend to do that. I mean, I, I think myself included, because, you know, I've, I'm a big Watt fan. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, but here's a fun fact that I learned in the big white book and that kind of, it, it, it can help amplify your understanding and your but pleasure. It's not necessary. Yeah. No, it, this is something that I've had to learn. <laughs> oh, you know, over the years, I didn't used to be as good. I used to be a little bit of an over-enthusiastic gatekeeper uh, in that way. All right. Should we spin again? Let's spin again. Okay. All right. Good spin. And number four. four. Okay. Number four is from Sharang. How important are maps while reading a fantasy book? Oh boy. Um I think it depends on the world. Okay. I think I don't think that you can, you know, have a blanket statement that says if you're reading a fantasy book, you have to absolutely have a map. Or if you're writing a fantasy book, you better get out your cartography set and draw <laughs> out a map and make sure that it's topographically correct and right. all that kind of stuff like I don't think that they're super important. I think that they're very helpful. Okay. Um, we were just talking before we turned on the mics, we were talking about the map for the Wheel of Time and how it's not, I mean, it's it's really, really helpful, but half the time you kind of ignore it because you're traveling a lot anyways. Well, and you should explain for non-WAP people and what that means. And by traveling, I mean capital T traveling, basically using 
teleportation teleportation or magic to jump from one yeah. area to the next. And so half the time I can't remember if I'm in Falm or Tear or wherever the hell we are. Honestly, it doesn't matter as long as I know that, hey, we're by the ocean and that's why there's sea folk around. Cool. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, but it's it's the same idea. It helps enhance. It helps your understanding. Um, they're super helpful. I don't think that they're really important. And I feel like if you're telling a story that relies so heavily on the geography of where you are and you're asking your reader to flip back and forth from whatever page that they're on to go peek at the map at the front or the back, you're doing, you're your, doing, reader, it wrong. You're doing your reader a disservice. Um, that, now, that being said, I think that some authors use their geography really, really well. And it's I'm really grateful to have that map to be able to check um, and and see those things. But I think that especially I mean, I've I've done this. I'm guilty of this myself dabbling in in trying to create my own story before I think, oh, I can't even really write the story until, until I have a map until I map this out to know where I'm at. And I spent way more time developing a map than I have developing the story. Right. And then it's like. Uh, this is not the right thing. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. We were kind of talking about um, the differences between looking at the Wheel of Time map versus the Lord of the Rings map. And one of the pleasures of looking at a map of Middle-earth is that you get this really clear dotted line <laughs> that, you know, you talk about, it's a very simple story. I mean, compared to a lot of <laughs> epic fantasy we mm -hmm. get now, it's a very simple story of, a bunch of people who go from point A to point B to point C, and you can follow this dotted line. Oh, okay, so the company splits, and so now we've got two dotted lines, mm -hmm. um, but then at the end of the story, they meet back up here. It's pretty clear. And then, like you said, with a lot of other stories, including The Wheel of Time, it's, no, people are, uh, authors figure out some way. They're like, no, I, I need characters to get from here to here really, really quickly. So they come up with this magic that lets them transport mm -hmm. or go through the ways or go through the the portal stones or whatever it is. And um, uh, they end up, you know, with this bizarre erratic right. line. And so you can't follow it in the same way. Um, but and anyway, so I, I like the cleanliness. Point of views. So you get multiple characters, multiple points of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're thinking, where are it's all too, these people yeah, too in much. relation to each other? And it is nice to, I think it's nice to have the reference. Um, so. It's, like you said, similar to the uh, the extra books that we were talking about just a moment ago. It's it's nice to have, mm -hmm. but if you're relying on it too much, it's no good. I yep. will say, you know who else had a really clean map um, with pretty simple dotted lines? Robin Hobb. There yeah. you go. So, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I think uh, tell a story that doesn't require a map. Create a map for extra there you go all right extra extra credit. credit should we spin again yep okay let's do it see how many of these we can get through uh number two, two. number two ryan rowan asks uh who what has taken you out of a book the quickest <laughs> what has taken you out of a book the quickest uh made up swearing really yep made yep. up and and forced mother's milk in a cup swearing see and that's not even that bad um I think the big one for me is in Elantris. Okay. Some of the some of the cursing in Elantris is laughable. I don't uh, stole my. Yeah. <laughs> one, it's made up, and two, it just doesn't seem to roll 
off the tongue or even off the page. Like it feels, it feels like it interrupts the flow of the story. Okay. And that pulls me out of it completely. I, I complained about this at length when we were, when we started reading Elantris, but anyways, that's okay. a big one. And I think even, even, uh, even some of the swear, like the cursing that's done sort of well, um, because it's not something that I'm familiar with, it can pull me out because if it's not blatantly obvious that we're cursing and that it's not confusing, it pulls me out real quick. Okay. All right. I, I do not have that problem. There you go. Um, it, sometimes it usually can I be just a, roll my eyes and I'm like, <laughs> sometimes I roll my eyes but myself. Usually that's at the beginning of the story. And I'm like, ugh, you know, okay, well, I guess we have to get used to this. But then once I do get used to it, I'm like, oh, no, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it would take me out of the story quicker if they used regular cursing in a story that had nothing to do with Interesting. modern day earth. So what about like in, what's the story I'm looking for? Uh, Scott Lynch. Um, yeah, yeah. Gentleman, Gentleman Bastards. Bastards. Did uh, that take that out? Did that take you out of it? No, because that one uh, does have something to do with our planet, okay. right? It's it's pretty clearly like 16th century Venice, right? Um, or 17th century Venice. There, you know, it's okay. yeah, it's a fantastical version of it with a little mm-hmm. bit of magic, but it's pretty clear where where and when they are, right? Um, and so it doesn't it didn't bother me much there. And I should say it doesn't bother me much anywhere right. because there's always the excuse of well, this is just the translated version right. of what they were saying in their, right. you know, real tongue or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, that is uh, fantasy swearing hasn't bothered me that much. You should not read in that case uh, Sanderson's <laughs> Skyward series. Okay, the swear the swear word in that is scud. Okay, it's just constant. Every you know, is not the name of the the kid's dog in Toy Story. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure it is. I've been yeah. watching Toy Story on a loop for the last week with my uh, kids. So, ouch. Um, yeah, everything's <laughs> scud this and scudding that and all. It that, just so. it's it's interesting to me because I know that Sanderson himself is probably not a curse word user in his everyday life. Yeah, and so I think that's what prickles my the hair on the back of my neck a little bit where yep. i'm just like if you want to swear just swear damn it and if not then <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah no i got you i got you okay are you ready for mine yeah so this is one i i'm actually interested that we got this question uh, on the wheel tonight because there is something that is frustrating me quite a bit and uh, folks who have who are on our discord uh, we've been chatting about it a little bit just tonight actually just before we were recording so it's fresh on my mind uh, but I am reading Sanderson's Skyward books right now. So I, I didn't read them with Blue Team last year. So I, uh, with the second book coming out, I decided to read Skyward. So I got through that one. Now I'm in book two. And there is going to be a very, very mild spoiler for book two. If you haven't read these, honestly, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Uh, but our main character is flying with a group of aliens. One of the aliens is of an indeterminate gender. Uh, it's actually it's a species so alien that their version of reproduction is completely different and so it's like the two 
two beings. <laughs> I'm just enjoying. Literally murdered. Yeah, you're enjoying my hand motions. Yeah, watching right? you try to physically demonstrate this with your hands. This isn't even that kind How of does alien reproduction. Re reproduction work? Show me on your hand where the alien reproduced on you. Um, no, I, <laughs> that was weird. So, <laughs> so they like, they come together and they, and the, literally one being is two halves, uh, is made up of two other beings. And so the like split down the middle, mm. half one, half the other. And so they like, they don't have a gender in the same way because they don't reproduce sexually the way okay. that we do. Right. Um, anyway. And so the main character constantly refers to that alien as they using they as a first person singular now i thought when i first came across this uh, you know toward the beginning of the book i was like oh well that's that's a little jarring but i'll get used to it nope no and it is I, i'm about halfway through the book now and it is driving me up the wall is it and, because you you're not connected like not that you're not connecting but you're just not used to reading they as a singular form no because i do use it sometimes uh, myself sure it, it, it's sometimes it does seem like it's the appropriate thing to do so i'm not i'm not making a, a grammatical originalist argument right. here or or anything like that i'm certainly not making a political point because when i brought this up on discord immediately it turned to transgender politics and that sort mm -hmm. of thing i this is not about that it's literally about it is confusing as hell to get through it. You know, it's paragraph after paragraph where they could mean just about anything right. at any given time. And so you have to, I'm not used to my brain having to go back on the sentence that I just read and figure out what they referred to after I'm Subject done reading. Agreement. Yeah, exactly. After I'm done reading the sentence. Um, and so in, in context, it's just driving me up the wall interesting yeah um, that's that's actually really interesting because i've never considered that from a literary standpoint of how you'd keep track of that if you've got like you said there could be they referring to multiple things right even within the same sentence right and so interesting. yeah because she's flying with a group there you know there's like five or six of these aliens all flying together and so sometimes they refers to the group and sometimes they refers to that character yeah, and uh, you yeah. never quite know until you're you're hip deep in the paragraph what you're what you're dealing with. So, so as the linguistics guy, how would you solve? For oh, that? that's well, that's the thing. I, I mean, I've only been thinking about this kind of for the last day or Do two. You give a, and so, an alternate spelling of they, so visually on the page, no, it's, it's representing something different. Nope, nope. I am I I may not be a hardcore originalist, but I do think that the uh, efforts to create new pronouns are stupid <laughs> okay no just just language doesn't work this way language okay. is an organic thing and you you know it's mm -hmm. just that's stupid okay um anyway again i'm not it's not a political point i'm i'm i know that some people are going to come after me and that's not what i'm saying i'm not you know, blah 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 caveat caveat sorry i didn't mean to get you in trouble no that's fine i mean i brought this up <laughs> um anyway so there you go let's spin the wheel again um we've got Oh, we've got a few more minutes. Yeah, Spin we're good it. to go. We got all night. Eight. Number eight. Maybe not all night, but we got um, a oh, while. This is your suggestion. Which was, oh, yeah. Which um, fantasy weapon would you choose to wield? Which right? would you choose to wield? This is my question, sir. I <sighs> I am the questioner. I know. A white coat questioner. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with 
Okay, if I had to choose one weapon, my first instinct is to say lightsaber. Right. Because it's dope. Yeah. And I don't think that that is a wrong answer in no. any way. I think no. that's a great answer. But my favorite weapon that I, I think would be the most devastating and interesting and heartbreaking and all of these things would be the Sword of Shannara. Okay. So for those who are unfamiliar with the Sword of Shannara, uh, I'm not going to spoil the story itself, but I'll tell you about the sword. Essentially, if you are, if you draw the sword, if you are touched by the sword, uh, if you're struck by the sword, what you are, what it does, it's not about the physical damage it inflicts, but it uh, makes you confront the truth about yourself, the absolute unvarnished truth. And, um, and so some people can handle that and some people cannot. And so if you are, you know, if you're pure of heart or whatever, it's not that you've never made any mistakes or anything and you are going to have to confront those, but can you confront those, the actual truth about yourself and come out the other side knowing, you know, cause we, we all tell mm -hmm. ourselves lies about ourselves, uh, and about those around us that that may be comforting lies or necessary lies what we think are necessary lies what would happen if we all had to deal with the actual unvarnished truth and i would like to see can't handle it i would like tom to see, cruise can't handle it <laughs> i would like to see what would happen there <laughs> all right so the um, sword of truth yeah sword of Shinara. i think the sword of truth is terry goodkind and right i'm not going with that one no so. not that one uh yeah what do you what do you ch choose i mean i'd lightsaber would be sweet i think that's a a different thing um i think i'm torn between the sigh because Raphael's dope i do love the sigh um uh, <laughs> it's the strong sigh and the emo kid sigh okay sorry uh, what would you choose um i think i'm torn between the quarter staff okay which I think because be, you love matt i do love matt but i also love donatello oh yeah um and it just seems more useful in a practical sense. You can use it as a weapon, but you can also use it for other things. I, I went on um, a 50-mile hike when I was 15 years old, and I took the bow staff because I, I had a bow staff because I was 15 years old and awesome. Of course, awesome. You did. Of uh, course Best you did. walking stick I ever had. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably that or a bow. A, a bow, like a, a bow, bow and like arrow. Like a bow and arrow. Like, okay. Like Lego style. Nice. Um, I feel like ranged weapons... I would be much more comfortable with. <laughs> Stay than, away from me, please. Than the melee hand-to-hand -hand con combat <laughs> weapons. Uh, Coward. Um, I mean, you know, I'm I'm more of a sniper than a than a warrior. You'd rather so. be an alive coward than exactly. a dead hero. Exactly. The longbow was the epitome of warfare for a long time for oh, a yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I let's. Think, I think I'm going with that. Let's spin again. Let's see if we can make our way through. Uh, let's see if we can. We've managed not to get any repeats. Number seven. Ah, this is impressive. Uh, okay. This one is talk about the new shows that are out these days. So new shows. We are recording this in December, and so last month saw the introduction of several new shows on both Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus, as well as some others, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but the ones that come to mind most readily that are most applicable to a fantasy podcast would be The Mandalorian and C mm -hmm. on Apple TV Plus. So yeah. you have been watching The Mandalorian. Yes, sir. Why don't you give us a big boy review of The Mandalorian? Uh, basically, give me a Western in space is what it feels like. Old school Western style. You're just following around the Mandalorian character who's kind of your your outlaw cowboy character. Yep. There's not a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of um, 
cool locations and and he just it's kind of going about his business and i actually really love the old clint eastwood cowboy feel that it has yeah i think it feels the most like star wars out of all the disney versions of star wars so far yeah i think it, it really hits the tone and the the feel the best um and i'm very intrigued i think it's i think that they're doing a really good job of balancing how long the episode should be not overdoing it and leaving you wanting more yeah, yeah, just, yeah. it's just enjoyable yeah um and i'm digging it so here's far. one of the things i love most about the mandalorian is that they are they are swinging for base hits mm-hmm it's not they're not going for a home run with this one mm-hmm. and so when you watch all of the movies that disney has done so far the skywalker ones and also the um uh, what rogue one and solo it's like every movie is a swing for the fences and they've been striking out more often than they've been hitting him as far as right. i'm concerned you know of course other reasonable people may agree or yeah no let's yeah. just leave it there reasonable I, people yeah. okay fine they may disagree too but i think um, Oh, go ahead. No, but uh, but with the Mandalorian, it's it like you said, they don't go on too long. They don't try to make it too big. Mm-hmm. It's um, I will say that the first episode when they introduce uh, spoilers, spoilers, Mandalorian spoilers. Okay, now we can go. When they introduced Baby Yoda at the end of the first one, I was a little bit like, Ugh, okay, mm-hmm. all right. So it is going to tie back in. He's using the Force in Episode right. Two, and okay fine it's gonna tie back in so i was a little bit disappointed that it didn't just keep stay, it its own thing yeah yeah separate. stay in its tiny little corner of the galaxy or whatever uh so there is that um but i'm i'm willing to forgive that and i'm happy that these are small pretty um pretty easy episodes to digest one of the things i'm really impressed with so far is the world building um oh yeah so again there's not a whole lot of dialogue and they're not in your face about how the Mandalorian society works. Um, but you just get it through his actions. He goes into the, the Smith mm-hmm. or whatever you, whatever you're calling that. And they craft him a piece of armor and right. you get little snippets of it. Right. And then he goes in and he builds more armor and you start to slowly peel back one, what, what it means to be part of a Mandalorian tribe and, and who this character is and, and what it, uh, what being a bounty hunter in this galaxy is, and and there's not a a lot of exposition to sit there and explain it to you. You're just left. It feels like old school storytelling where you're just left to pick it up as you go. Yeah. And I don't think that we see a lot of that in modern day cinema and TV. I think people tend to want exposition a lot more, or they're we we tend to get exposition a lot more mm-hmm. and not just like I said, it feels kind of like an old school cowboy movie where it's just like, we're just going to follow this guy around and, yep. and observe, and see what he does. Mm-hmm. So, uh, have you ever heard of the Twitter account, bad film tweets? Nope. It's uh, it's at bad film takes. No. And the name is bad film tweets. So it's just that they, <laughs> they stay there on Twitter all day and they just screenshot bad film takes. Okay. Uh, so this one is uh, about the Mandalorian and John, some, some fellow named John Rocha. I don't know who that is, but um, he says, it is not a Western. It is not a Western. It is not a Western. 
do research. This is a samurai show, specifically a ronin samurai show. Every trope, storyline, or cliche you see comes from samurai films that influenced westerns. It does not make it a western. And okay. that's the kind of tweet that makes me want to punch somebody right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the greatest Twitter accounts that yeah. I follow. Bad Film Takes is fantastic. All right. So... Yeah, it's a Western. It's a Western. Whether or not it was, you know, Westerns were built on samurai movies. Okay, fine. And but samurai movies were built on something else. Yep. And that was built on something else. And who cares? Um, anyway, uh, I, I do like the score. Yeah. It feels very much like an Eniko Morricone mm-hmm. uh, score. Very nice. Uh, okay, should we... Oh, Did you want to talk about C at all? I C, haven't seen C, so yeah, seen that makes it, it. It's a bit like. Um, <laughs> Does anybody get to see C? Yeah, I don't know. it's a bit like uh, uh, Stephen King's It. You can't just call it It because that's too confusing. You have right. to, you have to call it It with a, an emphasis uh-huh. or Stephen King's It or something like that. It's just awful. Um, so C is a similarly difficult title to talk about. Um, it's the one on Apple TV Plus. Jason Momoa. Uh, plays the leader of a, a clan in post-apocalyptic, you know, the, the post-apocalyptic world where everybody has lost the ability to see, and he is raising twins who have the gift of sight. And um, it is... So the reason I like this one, I can't remember. I, I may have even talked about this on the show in a previous episode. If so, I apologize. But uh, the reason I really like this one is that it is extremely familiar to folks like us who read epic fantasy mm-hmm. or who play a certain type of video game right where um you are you're not given a ton right up front mm-hmm. you are introduced to a character and then a a world unfolds as you go through it uh, but it takes a long time to do it. And so you're introduced to this mm-hmm. character and then they meet these characters and pretty soon you have a merry band of however many people um, and, you know, different POVs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it in this case, it takes like three, four, five episodes before you're finally starting to get an idea of where this story is going. And the show didn't get a lot of love critically. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be part of why, because people aren't used to consuming a story in that way. But we are. Mm-hmm. And many of our listeners are as well. And so I think... This one, if you haven't given it a shot yet, go give it a shot. Uh, it's on Apple TV Plus. You can get that for it's like five bucks a month. Honestly, it's not that bad. So mm-hmm. give it a shot. Um, I'm also really enjoying uh, For All Mankind, mm-hmm. which is a, a kind of alternate history. What if the Russians had landed on the moon first? Interesting. Uh, it, it's it's pretty good. So huh. uh, anyway, all right. Do we? Uh, so let me check my time here. Yeah, we we've got. We, we can we afford ten. to do another one. Uh, you can spin, but I think we've only got a couple more, so I might as well just choose them. That's fine with me. Um, what's, we've already uh, done one, I think. Uh, yeah, I think we're we're good just, there. Just choose our leftovers. Number five, Josh Hicken asks for best fantasy language. I think that might be our last one. Goodness, we're ripping through these wheel episodes. We might as well just just go through them in order. Why spin? Yeah. Yeah. Why why not? Best fantasy language, really, it's going to come down to, is it Elvish or Klingon, right? Is there <laughs> any other choice? Or, or any other language you want to oh, pick no, out no, no. of Lord it's, of the um, It's the old tongue from the Christopher Paolini books, obviously. Brisinger! Nope. No? Okay. No, not no, that one. No, I don't think so. Um, Clearly it's or Elvish. Or the Latin from Harry from Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Straight up Latin. Exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, I think it's got to be Elvish. I mean, I do love the old tongue from Wheel of Time. I think it's fun seeing those snippets from right. Matt. Um, and, and but it, but it, that that's all you get is. But snippets, yeah, and that's right. the thing is like, I'm sure that there are more developed fantasy languages out there than that, obviously. But like, is there a more developed language than Elvish? No. No. So well, I mean, you could argue Klingon. Sure. Uh, the only problem there is that it wasn't. Uh, it, it was a group effort, right? It wasn't one person who kind of invented mm-hmm. Klingon over years and years and years. Um, I'll tell you one. Okay. Maiden hand talk. Ooh, nice. Ooh, nice one. I think that's an interesting one uh, to which go with. We can't. I mean, nobody knows what it is. You can't yep. see it on the page. No, but, but I like basically just sign language. It's basically sign language, but I really like that it's it's well developed and discreet. Um. And they use it, and it's used pretty frequently. And it's used um, to good effect, humor-wise, right. throughout the wheel of time. So right. that's a good one. So yeah. All right. Well, we've spun the wheel. Did we get every question? That's Did it. We hit them all. Yeah, that's it. Man. So you've got your content, everybody. And uh, <laughs> to whoever left that one-star review saying that we go on too many tangents, well, I hope you enjoyed this. You're one. not wrong. Although I do but... have, I do have a correction, by the way, um, because. Uh, and this is about the uh, singular they that I was talking about. Okay. So Kipton, uh, not in response to that, he's not listening to this, but he, the conversation continues on uh, Discord. And he mentions that the singular they isn't uh, exclusively or even majorly used by transgender individuals, which is what I had said. Um, mm-hmm. It's used by agender, non-binary, or genderqueer in- individuals primarily. So yeah, I, I got that one wrong. So if anybody wants to... Uh, hashtag Craig is almost always hashtag right. Hashtag Craig is almost always right. Sorry about that one. Um, anyway. Uh, Thank you for correcting yourself. Well, I you know, I figure and, hey. It's you, right there. I might as well. You're making so many strides. Am I? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. I All don't right. know. I just like to make you feel good. <laughs> so uh the only other thing I wanted to mention is that uh if you haven't recently go to the legendarium.reddit.com, partly because there is a link there to uh, a survey that I wanted people to take. We are mulling the possibility of doing a, I, I, I don't want to call it a convention, but it would be a gathering, a legendarium gathering, an event of some kind where instead of um, spending our money to go to a single place where we might meet one or two of you, uh, we we put on an event where hopefully more people can come to us and, and uh, meet each other, fellow listeners, meet the panelists, that sort of thing. And I'm trying to gauge people's uh, interest in such an event. And so uh, go check out that survey. You can find it linked. Again, that's thelegendarium.reddit.com. You can find it linked there. Just go. It takes 60 seconds. Let me know what you think of it, um, what you'd be most excited about. And then if I feel like if enough people sound like they're interested, then we'll start talking about, okay, so when do we do it? Where do we do it? Um, one leading contender would be uh, trying to do something something to coincide with the Stormlight number four release, mm-hmm. which would presumably come, be coming up in late 2020, something like that. But maybe we find some other possibility. So anyway, go check that out and uh, leave us a nice positive review on iTunes. Uh, we, we really appreciate those. It does... Uh, help give us a little morale boost but it also really it helps people find us on itunes and that sort of thing so do that for us and gosh what am i forgetting patreon.com slash legendarium and we'll see you next week see ya